Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Vent Weekly. I'm Amelia. COVID-19's affected all of our lives. Even with changes to lockdown, the world seems a very different place. The news is overwhelming and it's hard to know what to believe right now. If you're done with COVID-19, this mini-series might not be for you. But if you do have questions or anxieties around COVID-19 that you haven't spoken about, we've got you. This series, we're getting you answers. Hi, I'm Kritika Tapa. I'm 16 years old and I was supposed to sit my GCSE exams this year, but because of COVID, I wasn't able to. With all the recent trouble with A-levels, this has got me extra worried about my results. I'm glad they went back on the downgrades, but with grades being based just on teachers' predictions or mock exams, I'm worried it might affect ethnic minority students the hardest. So, today I'm joined by Kritika, who you just heard there in the voice note, and Cuba Jean-Baptiste, commissioning editor and columnist for Independent Voices, the opinion section of The Independent. Could you guys both introduce yourselves and say a bit about who you are, what you do and stuff like that? So uh, my name's Cuba Shand-Baptiste. I write about gender, race, politics, pop culture. I recently wrote about the education system. I do uh, mentoring with a child at my old school who has gone through a lot of the same issues that we're talking about today. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, we're definitely going to get onto more about that education and stuff like that. What about you, Kritika? Okay, I was just doing my GCSEs this year, so obviously I didn't get to sit them. Mm -hmm. And it's like when we first found out, it was like a major shock because it was like your whole secondary school is working towards these GCSEs, which are obviously so important. Right. So it's just a bit, it's a bit overwhelming right now and it's a bit stressful. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for this question. Thank Such you. Such an important one, especially in light of recent events with the A-level results. Yeah. yeah. How did you feel watching all that craziness unfold? It really stressed me out, especially like seeing everything on Twitter mm-hmm. and you see everyone getting their results and what they were predicted and what they actually got. And you can see such the drastic difference. Right. And it kind of makes you feel so scared that this might happen to you. Yeah. And to think that we might have to go through stuff like that and not getting into our six forms or not getting the grades that we wanted. It was hard on us too. Yeah. As soon as I saw that they were doing the U- U-turn, it just makes me feel, and not just me, but everyone else, a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. But just to clarify, so do you know how your grades are going to be decided? Um, I'm not completely sure, but I think they did say it was from predicted grades and mock exams and right, like yeah, work yeah. you've done in class, which I guess is okay, but like with the mock exams, nobody really like takes them as serious as you would exactly. take the GCSEs. Yeah, because I feel like for mocks, those are the times where you can kind of do your worst in a way because that's when you can kind of pick up on all your mistakes. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Cooper, what do you think about this approach? I feel like it was probably in the government's head sort of the the easiest option, but didn't necessarily take into account how it will impact students and the fact that bias will play a huge part in that 
system of assessing yeah of exam boards and teacher assessment and having no other way out and sort of trusting your school I suppose implicitly with giving you a grade it can lead to a lot of 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 shortfalls yeah I think we can all agree here that it's most likely to affect black and other ethnic minority students the hardest in terms of like what they're going to be predicted but like in what ways earlier this year we ran a piece by Paul Akpan so it was looking at how predicted grades affect students generally and and black kids too Mm -hmm. this is for A-levels specifically but applies in a similar way Mm -hmm. 16% of predicted A-levels are correct which is not a lot and then when we're looking at black students 39% of of accurate predicted grades for black kids versus 53% for white students so there is already a disparity in how people perceive educational achievements and performance among different types of students yeah I was going to ask um, Cuba if you remember your predicted grades and then your actual results for GCSEs I know that my predicted grades were lower than what I achieved so maths was my sort of weakest subject so I always expected to get a lower grade in that but I think I was predicted B sort of across the board for everything else mm-hmm. and then in the end I got four A stars four A's and, a, and the C was in maths which was correct <laughs> because I just wasn't good at maths <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and that was a massive surprise actually I remember thinking oh I didn't know I could do that well it was, yeah. yeah, it was a massive shock for me. And I think if I'd been predicted anything lower than that, I, I do think it would have had an impact on my confidence. It would have knocked it completely. Mm. Like I have a mentee at the moment who who basically, when she, when she was choosing her options, spoke to some of her teachers and she's really interested in science. Right. And a science teacher was pretty much like, that's a waste of time you're not good at this, why are you doing it? Or her talking about wanting to have a career in science and him saying, well, I can't see that happening. It's just, it's not, yeah, it's awful. I feel like it's actually like misconduct of a teacher to tell a student, I don't think that you're going to be good at that. Obviously not being unrealistic with people's um, capabilities, but just pushing them to achieve what they think they want to do. Mm. Yeah, and just going back to my mentee quickly, she's a student who maybe exhibit some of the behaviours that basically affect people's biases. So there are a lot of things like, I don't know, if kids are kissing their teeth or if they have their hair in certain ways that teachers don't like Mm. or behaviour that they're not accustomed to or that they'll misinterpret as being rude exactly um when they haven't realized that some maybe someone's just reacting to something else yeah in the classroom or whatever Mm, i mean it's quite scary because obviously um particularly within this like social climate of now like with what's happened with the black lives matter movement one of the things that's been spoken about the most is like institutional racism and like racism within the education system as well and I feel like, obviously, as the teachers predominantly are those who are marking mock papers and giving the predicted grades and stuff like that, I don't think that it's going to be fair for a lot of black and minority ethnic kids in school. Katika, do you feel like you know any ways in which, other than, like, the grading system, what what kind of things are black and Asian kids being singled out for? Yeah, so um, in my school, so I, I'm in a school in Wembley, yeah. A majority of the kids in my school are from an ethnic background, mm-hmm. but with like daily, you know, when you're just in a classroom and like you put your hand up for an answer and usually your teachers don't go to you straight away and they'll go to your like, you know, if there you've got white people in your class. And like mm-hmm. when Corona started as an Asian myself, like people would just go to you and like say, oh, Corona. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, everyone would laugh like it was a joke when it is racism. People just look over it like it's nothing when it could impact people 
really deeply. Yeah, I definitely felt as though, because I went to a school in like West London and it was very like mixed in terms of ethnicities, but it was predominantly white, particularly when I was in sixth form as well. And I can just remember like even being in my lessons and feeling as though I'm literally writing the same answers as some of my white peers, like step-by-step -step plans that we used for writing these particular essays. And I was just constantly being graded like a grade or two below. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know what I'm writing differently. Like, and I think because it's something that like is so difficult to speak out against um, as a student as well, you kind of feel like pushed into a corner. So it's quite sad actually. Yeah. And Cuba, I wanted to like, ask you about your experience at school were you aware of racism like what was your experience like yeah I mean I, I I think I probably experienced it more at primary school than I did at secondary school I remember being underestimated by teachers a lot and sort of being assumed that I wouldn't be interested in certain subjects mm. at primary school it was more of a case of noticing when teachers are uncomfortable broaching certain topics so when they had to do, I don't know, Black History Month classes. And I remember I had a teacher, she used to play Sam Cooke's Chain Gang all the time and say, this is your song. Whoa. <laughs> like every lesson. Whoa. I was sent out of the class all the time. <laughs> I was always outside the Ted teacher's office right. for talking back. But a lot of the time, looking back on those situations, I remember thinking, well, I, actually, I was right. It, mm -hmm. Obviously, it's difficult when your child is going up against an adult. And for that adult as well, it's probably difficult yeah. to accept. But... In a lot of those situations, I felt like, no, I noticed the bias, I tried to call it out <laughs> as like a little kid, and obviously wasn't taken seriously because I'm a child, so... Yeah. I think it's so sad that we kind of have to grow up a lot faster than white kids mm. because we have to be so vigilant to, like, as early as primary school. So I feel like I've been aware of racism in schools for a really long time, to be honest. Mm. So obviously... Um, there has been an introduction of like free schools and academies and stuff like that. Has that had any impact on the increase or like the decline of racism? Yeah, I mean, I think because academies are sort of freer to make their own rules in terms of how they run schools, they're able to introduce certain rules or guidelines that may disproportionately affect certain students. Mm -hmm. There's been instances of, of people giving two-hour detentions for kissing teeth, which I wrote about a few months ago. There's been examples of, of people being punished because of their hair. And I think the further and further we get away from, from sort of having local governance and having someone to sort of regulate what you're doing in your schools and how you're running them, then it just means that more and more of these decisions and these approaches can just go ahead um, unchecked. Yeah. And I think that's a massive, massive issue. I think it's, I think it's so sad, particularly the stuff with, to do with hair, which I think is just ridiculous. Like, even with the whole dreadlocks thing, like, that's someone's natural hair. I'm not cutting my natural hair. Like, that's not going to impact how I study or the grades I'm going to receive. And then again, like, with kissing your teeth, OK, it might be a negative response to something, but that's just what particular communities do. That's how we respond. Like, it could be, like, sighing or having a strop it's the same kind of thing it depends on the context yeah. if someone says something you think is ridiculous you might kiss your teeth i don't know if someone's being silly and instead of saying oh you're being so ridiculous you just kiss your teeth and that person would know that you're being light-hearted it's not the equivalent of saying f off which i think some teachers for some reason think that that's what it is <laughs> it's not that yeah it's like maybe like a milder much milder version of rolling your eyes yeah which could be used in any context 
I usually do it without realising I'm doing it. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> it comes out. Same, I use it when I'm laughing or, like, when someone's annoying me. I can use it when I'm frustrated as well, but I don't think that it's such an aggressive thing that would be deserving of a two-hour mm, detention. Yeah, I think punishments are getting worse, just generally. Yeah, the punishment needs to fit the crime, and I don't think that they are a lot of the time, which is why I think a lot of black and Asian students are resentful towards their teachers. I feel like there needs to be like more emphasis or introduction of like unconscious bias training because I know that some schools have it, but I think it needs to be like a mandatory thing, particularly if you're working in a school or a borough where there's predominantly kids of a non-white race. Like I feel like it's very important because I feel like a lot of the mannerisms of people from different cultures all plays a big part in like somebody's identity, particularly within the black and the Asian communities. When you don't know that, you see the worst in it. But yeah, Kritika, were you unhappy to miss your exams or like were you relieved were you sad yeah so i feel like i've got a good relationship with majority of my teachers mm. so i didn't think like i would be scared that oh maybe my mm -hmm. teacher this teacher doesn't like me or she'll put me down so it was more of that i would have rather sat my exam than miss it because i feel like when you're singing exam it like doesn't matter what background you are you've right. sat the exam and what you get is what you deserve and what you achieved and like as you guys were saying do you think if some students have like a bad reputation with their teachers they would be put down on their grades i think so yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah because i mm -hmm. know a few of my friends they don't have the best relationship or their behavior as well they wasn't the mm. best but they still have the capabilities of getting really high grades so if a student is unhappy with the result someone like critique his friends could they appeal if they feel as if they've been mistreated when it comes to their grades. Yeah, so they can appeal, they can do resets as well if they're not happy mm. with the outcome. But then I guess the issue with that, with resets specifically, is that if you have to do one in the first place, the harder it is to do well the second time. I read something somewhere that said that young people are five times more likely to pass their driving tests at 17 than to catch up with their GCSEs doing resets. Yeah. So I've had friends who, for example, not obviously not under the same system because we didn't have coronavirus happening then but who failed their maths GCSE and had to redo it five six seven times mm. which is a lot and it's really difficult to do when you're trying to move on to the next stage of your life as well exactly I don't know Kritika would you resit or sit your exams like if you weren't happy um so obviously i finished school in march and like the march april time i would have been revising obviously i lost so many months of revision mm -hmm. in lockdown where i didn't really revise because mm -hmm. as soon as school finished not like i wasn't revising for my gcses anymore yeah so like i feel like it'd be a longer and harder time for people if they did have to reset it and my final thing that I want to ask you guys is how can we like take steps towards making this better? Just general racism or bias um, when it comes to teachers and whatever, because a lot of these issues are quite deep rooted and they're part of the system and the system was built up on these things. So like, how do we start making things a little bit different? Like, what would you say, Kritika? I feel like the first step is just pointing the racism out mm -hmm. because I feel like when people are racist towards black and Asian people, it's like people see it happen, people don't speak about saying this is racism and what you said was wrong and I feel like picking and pointing it out to people who are racist is a first step of many mm -hmm. and if you do educate them and make them understand that what you said was wrong, they maybe might not do whatever they did in the future. Yeah, I think that's so true as well. 
And what about you, Cuba? What do you think needs to be done? There are so many things. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> there needs to be, I guess, sort of a national approach to changing the culture so that there's sort of a general framework that people can refer to with how to deal with racism in the classroom or how to even deal with being accused of racism mm -hmm. by maybe students or by parents or whoever, because I think that can be really important. Mm -hmm. I remember I had that teacher, she used to play Sam Cooke, who I, I thought was racist. So I went home and obviously told my parents that she was racist. Yeah. Um, and when they challenged her, her sort of her response was, I went on marches against apartheid and I did this and I've got black friends, oh. rather than sort of <laughs> looking and saying, maybe, okay, so this child has noticed that I treat certain kids differently. What can I do so that they feel they have an equal treatment uh, to the rest of the kids in the class? That should have been the approach. To be honest, I feel like if you're not racist, you're not going to be bothered yeah. by what someone's saying to you. You're not going to be so defensive. Yeah. yeah. Instead, you would be like, okay, I wouldn't ever want to do that. So let me try and change that consciously so that I don't fall into a trap of treating somebody um, unequally. Yeah, so I think there needs to be sort of, obviously training helps, it doesn't solve everything but it, it does help, I think, especially in teaching. Yeah, it just needs to be better. I feel like for me, the main thing as well is that a lot of students from very young ages up until 18 spend the majority of their hours of a day in school yeah. and so I feel like it's the curriculum that needs to really be changed as well. They need to decolonise it and they need to include all parts of history from all different cultures as well not just white history i don't know like why they try and romanticize white history and what the british empire has done over the years as a heroic thing when we actually know what they did do in that process of winning wars is completely destroy other countries like across the globe and take a lot of resources etc from those countries as well yeah and I think if you're going to teach history, you need to teach all of it and you need to teach it honestly. Because I feel like a lot of kids leave school not knowing of anything to do with history or the system. And so they don't understand like what systemic racism or institutional racism is, where it originated from and stuff like that. And then changes can't be made because it's literally being hidden from us. We need to know who we are. Yeah. If we're learning about the civil rights movement in America, why aren't we learning anything about similar pushes for, for civil rights mm -hmm. here that have been happening for, for decades? Exactly. So, yeah. I agree. But yeah, does anyone have any final thoughts before we close? Make the schools better. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for speaking thank to us about this thank topic. You for talking to us. I'm really glad we had this discussion and I feel like everyone listening will definitely benefit from it or relate in some kind of way. And critique our best of luck with your results. Thank you. I hope that you get what you're after and you feel like they're fair results for you. Yeah, best of luck. And yeah, GCSEs aren't the be all and end all of everything. They make you feel what they are, but they're not. So don't worry. <laughs> thank you. for listening to Vent Weekly bonus COVID-19 fact checkers. I've been Amelia. Thanks to Critica and Cuba for joining me. This episode was produced by Rose Delarabiti with help from the Vent production team, Lucas Fothergill, Jess Lawson and Maweed Majid. Vent is a collaboration between Vice and Brent London Borough of Culture 2020. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.